You're listening to another podcast from Down Under Investigations. It's great to have you here with us, Maria. So if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your firm and what you do. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm a lawyer of almost 30 years experience and um, I'm currently running a small legal practice with three other lawyers and some support staff. I started my own firm about 17 years ago and I did that because I was a little bit fed up with the way things were being done in other law firms where I was employed and I wanted to to start a new model of a a law firm really client focused um, and with a bit of a modern edge. So I started uh, on my own about 17 years ago and at that time I had to pretty much learn everything from scratch, software, bookkeeping, even learning how to use a computer, believe it or not. Um, And I started without any capital at all. So it was um, pretty hard going, but um, it all worked out. Very good. Very good. So how many years did you say you've been in in law and in the legal industry? 29 years. 29. So you're coming up to 30 years. That's a milestone. Yeah, big anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to pop open the champagne. (laughs) So um, how do you spend your time away from the office? What's some of your hobbies? Well, at the moment, my home is my office, so I don't get away very much unless it's for a bit of a, a walk. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's pretty rare to have a lot of personal time to myself these days. Um, yeah. But I guess when I do, what I, what I really enjoy is uh, creative writing and anything to do with art. Awesome. I, I love painting. I love painting landscapes in acrylic and I you know, have been known to do the odd abstract piece. <clears throat> Otherwise, I just enjoy doing tons of reading and all sorts of different subjects what's your Um, favorite book to tell you the truth my favorite book is the bible it's got everything it's got scandal it's got corruption it's got (laughs) it's got if you really really read it it's got all sorts of themes that keep getting repeated in uh history of mankind so even just from a historical point of view yeah that that would be my favorite text yeah, wow, that's that's excellent. How did you commence in the legal industry? Like, where did you study? Who did you uh, work under initially? How did that all start for you? Uh, yeah, I started at, I did my degree at Melbourne University. I did two degrees. I did an arts degree um, at the same time as doing my law degree. And in the arts degree, I majored in English literature and I had a sub-major in Australian politics. Um, so that took about five years. And then after that, back in those days, you qualified, um, you know, either doing articles or doing the Leo Cusson Institute uh, course. And I decided to do the Leo Cusson Institute course. Um, and then I got admitted to practice in 1991. And during that time, just before getting admitted to practice or around about that time, I was doing various work placements uh, with all sorts of lawyers that you know, different areas, migration law, uh, common law, all sorts of different areas. Um, Yeah, and then I, you know, (laughs) when I um, got qualified, it was the time of a great recession and most of us didn't actually get any jobs. Um, You know, some of us were waiting a year, two years before we could get any jobs. It was was pretty uh, dramatic. Uh, I think it took me about six months after I was admitted to get my uh, first legal job. And that was a general practice. And I was doing everything from family law to personal injury, maritime law, anything that walked through the door, we would, we would take it. 
Uh, and then, you know, I worked for various different law firms um, until I started my own. So, yeah, it's a bit scary starting off on your own, but I haven't looked back. Yeah. So why did you want to practice law in the first place? Why did you want to go and study law? And what really just said, this is what I'm going to do? Well, to be honest, when I went to uni, I did both degrees because I wasn't sure whether law was going to be, you know, my destiny. And I, you know, I really enjoyed literature and the arts. Um, I think probably halfway through my law degree, I started really finding it interesting. And after I got my first real job as a lawyer, I think from there on, I just knew this is my destiny. This is what I want to do. You know, it's about truth. It's about justice. It's about, um, you know, helping those that really can't help themselves and giving an equal you know, playing field um, to many people. Uh, and it's also it's also intellectually interesting as well. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, once I got my first job, I knew that was it. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Awesome. So, Maria, can you explain what types of legal issues you and your firm specialise in? Yep. Well, I'm an accredited family law specialist. Um, as most of the work my team and I do is family law, probably 80%. However, we do a lot of work with all sorts of family disputes and they spill over into different areas like estate, you know, deceased estates disputes, like inheritance disputes um, and common law um, disputes over land and caveats. And, you know, a lot of the times they arise due to, you know, everything's going fine in the family. There's some money lent, some land bought, you know, there's been very sketchy agreement about it not in writing and then it all goes sour um and yeah so we we handle a lot of those disputes but otherwise yeah what we specialize in is family law and what's been maybe some of the highlight files or cases that you've worked on well it's it's uh yeah it's a it's a good question i mean there's like there's so many very unusual and interesting cases but i think probably a good highlight was early on in my career in my 20s um, I took on a client who was going to look, basically lose her house due to um, the Geelong Building Society financial collapse. What had happened, she'd been persuaded to sign mortgage documents and loans for her husband and her in-laws. And those, all those loans were uh, you know, secured against her home. And, uh, you know, it was done in circumstances where she, you know, she, she didn't get legal advice and, you know, I think she signed the documents on the kitchen bench with, um, you know, baby in tow on the hip. I challenged the bank based on the circumstances of the loan documents and the mortgage being signed the way, and you know, the the, the whole entry into the into the contract. The lady was represent. We managed to get her legal aid back then. You could get legal aid for some civil cases, so we were able to run it with a QC, and that case was successful. Oh, fantastic! And so she kept her house. And the mortgage was set aside. Um, and I believe that case was later on taught in um, some law schools as part of their curriculum. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. What a great result for her and, uh, and her newborn yeah. <laughs> when she was signing her agreement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. And as you said earlier, you know, for you and I guess for us as well, it's really about helping people. That's what, that's what we're in the business of. Um, you said, you know, being a voice or, or being an advocate for people is uh, 
and, and, and adding that level playing field. So when people can't sort of uh, work out the law for themselves that, you know, as a lawyer, you're there to represent them and to um, give them a voice and, and put their best case forward. Yeah, and, and that's the pleasure of the job, really. Yeah, that's awesome. So what has been your biggest challenge in regards to your career? Well, uh, I have to say the whole lockdown situation is pretty high on the list. Yeah. And uh, like a lot of businesses had to try to adapt if they can, if they can keep going and, you know, really having to reinvent the way you do things. I mean, in business, you're constantly reinventing the way you do things, but this whole pandemic lockdown situation has put a lot of challenge on. Um, but, you know, I've been there before. We had the GFC, the, you know, the global financial crisis. And, um, you know, there's a lot of adapting to do back then. Uh, back then, I only did family law and uh, that was flourishing for a while. Um, but then after the GFC hit, you know, things went a bit quiet and, um, you know, people needed advice in other areas, bankruptcies, commercial loans and mortgages and things like that. But all I was doing was family law. But I, I had to make the difficult decision to diversify and provide more of a full service practice. And uh, so I had to upskill very quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, get other staff in that prepared to do work in that, those areas and, and find barristers to work with um, in those areas. Um, it, you know, in the end, it worked out well because, you know, I was meeting the needs out there. We were able to still continue on rather than drying out because of the GFC. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that was quite challenging. So, yeah, in these days, we've sort of consolidated. We're doing more family law and a little bit of related family dispute areas in, in, in relation to we do deceased estates, probates, property caveats, that sort of thing. So we've consolidated. But, you know, to be honest, I think the biggest challenge now is to come, and, and that is with all the events and the things that are happening around us, and to us, and I think the biggest challenge is how, for myself and other lawyers, how we respond to the government-imposed restrictions and lockdowns. Uh, I find there's, I have a lot of clients and people on social media asking a lot of questions and also asking why aren't there a lot of lawyers out there, you know, giving us some answers and some guidance. So that's probably the biggest challenge is what, to, what is coming. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where, I guess, again, you being a voice for, for others and understanding the law, understanding what the government can and can't do, because at the end of the day, the government needs to be held accountable for their decisions, right or wrong. And whether we agree with them or not, you know, the law is in place to, to protect us and to guide us. And um, we can't just throw out the law, you know, for any other reason, you know, for anything that's going on in society. But the law needs to be the thing that governs us, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Well, you know, we'd like to think the law applies to one and all. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the principle. Yeah, that's the principle, exactly, exactly. And it's great that there's great lawyers like yourself out there who are advocating for others and, you know, willing to speak up and speak out. So, Marie, you, you said before that you've been in the legal profession for over 30 years. So nearly, you, nearly 30 nearly years. Nearly 30 yeah. years, nearly. And uh, I'm sure in your time, you have seen many different characters, many different people, the other lawyers and clients and things like that. But I suppose the question which 
I often think about is what, char what characteristics do you believe makes a great legal professional? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, legal professional, whether it's a lawyer or paralegal. Um, well, actually, I actually did a interview with the Law Institute a couple of years ago on this topic, what, you know, what makes a good lawyer. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the, the article was entitled Seven Habits of Highly Effective Lawyers. And, you know, basically they, they wanted to know what are my tips, you know, what, what, what would be the seven best tips for, you know, being an effective lawyer or good legal professional. And I told them this, I said, the first one is you need to know who you are because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of content out there about setting goals and, you know, this sort of thing. But, um, you know, you can't start writing a, a to-do list or life plan if you're not clear on who you are and what you love doing and what your purpose is. So my first tip would be, you know, you just really take time out to reflect on what your values are and then you work from there when you set out the logistics rather than jumping straight into the logistics. Second thing would be you've got to, to be effective, make, you know, a good professional means, you know, you've got to be not only good technically, but you've got to be good in business. So you need to set yourself apart. Um, and that's not just in marketing, your legal services. You need to actually set yourself apart, make a stance for who you are personally. Um, and, and, you know, how that reflects with your clients, your staff, your business colleagues, that, that they, who you attract will be based on, you know, how you set yourself apart. Make sure you own your own time these days. It can be very difficult and, you know, we all have the same 24 hours, but you just got to be, you know, really strict about that and know how to guard your time very wisely. Um, a good one would be solve other people's problems first. Okay. And if you do that, uh, you're solving other people's problems first. Most of your own problems will get solved. But the, the more complex problems of other people that you can solve, the more in demand you will be professionally. So in terms of success and being a great legal professional, I think that's a key thing if you're prepared to, you know, look at areas of law and, and, and legal problems that are highly complex and, and difficult and, you know, do the extra study Um yeah, you know, a lot of the times it has to be after hours, it has to be in your own time. But if you want to be in demand, then you need to be able to solve more complex problems. Another thing is just to be careful, hold your tongue. Tongue's a weapon that can heal or destroy. Um, and you've got to use it wisely. I think you've got to be very careful with um, your language these days, um, both written and, and, and verbal. Uh, but we, as, a, as, a, as a lawyer, you've got to be very careful in your communications because, uh, you know, sometimes it can get a bit worked up and, you know, whoever's on the other side might provoke you quite a bit, but you, you've got to calm down and, you know, wait a while before you send any toxic emails or get too carried away because, you know, whatever you put in writing can be used against you later on. Yeah, so definitely. you just got to yeah, be a little bit calm on that front. Um, yeah. I think, you know, number one really is knowing the value of the client relationship because that's, you know, without the client, you're, you know, you're not a legal professional. <laughs> you have to have a client. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you can advertise, you can market. There's a lot of things out there you can do to get clients through the door. But, you know, you, 
really don't don't uh, trivialise the good old fashioned quality customer service that can never be underestimated. And um, you know the time and the cost that you, you if you you go the extra mile to help someone, they will remember and they will refer other people. And you know it's really all about reputation. Reputation is the foundation of the legal profession. You know, it can make okay. or break you. The other thing is don't compare, you know, as a legal professional or any professional, don't compare yourself to others all the time because, you know, success looks different to different people. And, you know, for some people, it's the financial reward and the professional status. But other, for other people, it's, it's the, you know, fulfilment in helping the client, you know, get a result, you know, get, get some justice where they couldn't otherwise. Um, and, you know, life balance, whatever it might be, you know, you can't always compare yourself to other people. You've just got to be aware that we don't always have the same success markers. So don't feel like you're a failure because you're not successful in one aspect. That's just one aspect of success. Everyone has different markers. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So I might just recap those seven, seven characteristics that you just mentioned. So first one was know who you are. Second one was set yourself apart. Third, own your own time. Fourth, solve other people's problems first. Five, hold your tongue. Six, learn the value of the client relationship. And seven, don't compare yourself to others. That is some brilliant wisdom there. Thank you. Oh, thank you for the sum up. Yep, that's good. Yeah. Seven tips. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you could uh, do a, a podcast just on those seven, I guess. That could... Uh, that could fill hours of time talking about those things. Uh, one thing I love, a characteristic that you've obviously um, developed over time, just through what you've, you've said earlier, is your adaptability, you know, where you've adapted your firm through the financial crisis and through COVID and through different challenges, you've been able to adapt, you've been able to uh, find other ways and avenues to help people and to keep building uh, your career in your firm, your great firm. You know, you hear that saying a lot, adapt or die. And we have to adapt. Yeah, there's no other way. Adapt. You, being able to adapt and quickly is, is a really important thing. Absolutely. That's right. So, Maria, what advice would you give to a young person who's wanting to pursue a career in the legal industry. Let's say they're studying year 11, studying year 12, starting to look at legal studies and thinking, man, I'd love to be up there talking to a judge and representing people and being a barrister, being a lawyer. What advice would you give those young people? Well, <laughs> I first ask them, why do you want to do it? Um, and then I'd ask them again, why do you want to do it? Because, you know, I, I talk to a lot of law students and, um, people in high school thinking about doing law um, and some of the reasons you know, most of the time we hear is they want to help people which is fantastic but when you get down to the nitty-gritty you know they they don't say why they want to specifically help people through the law and how how they can help people through the law because there's many ways to help people so you know I, I first ask you know you know if they really want to pursue law to help people are, are they you know, do they understand what that means? And sometimes, you know, it means they need to get out and do some work placements or work experience to just get some exposure because the TV is not exposure. You know, those TV shows are not going to give you an idea of what it's like, especially in Australia. Um, 
you know, try to get as much exposure as you can in real life in volunteering, volunteering a legal service, volunteering with a barrister, sitting in with the courts. Um, and then, you know, they should ask themselves, are they willing to sacrifice all the years of study, the student loans, the long hours working, the stress, the conflict, and are they willing to do that regardless of what it pays? And, you know, I'm speaking for private practice, it um, might be different in, in a, you know, government area. That, you know, if they're, if they're doing it just to secure a good job that pays well, pays well, I'd recommend they look for something else because, you know, they really have to have it in their core being, you know, that they, they want to help people through the law because of what the law represents. You know, it might be freedom, it might be justice, it might be, you know, there's got to be some passion, some drive there. Now, if that's there, then, then look at, you know, what's involved and, you know, what different areas you can, you can get employed in and, um, you know, be prepared to make this, the sacrifice. But otherwise, you know, if that's for them, you know, it's a very fulfilling career. Maria, have you ever watched the TV show Suits before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually only just started watching it last year and I found it uh, very, very entertaining. <laughs> so is being a lawyer anything like that? <laughs> well, it, <laughs> um, look, probably one percent of the time, possibly it can be, but no, no, it's not. It's not really. It's it, that's a very glamorized show. And um, look, there are some interesting themes there that you know you could relate to, but no, no, I, you know, I, I've I've seen. You know, with my generation, we were watching LA Law and Boston Legal and things like that. And no, you know, same, same thing there. They're glamorised shows, you know, made in the United States. And it's not reflective of how things work here and what the day-to-day -day work is because what they say, it's, you know, 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration or, you know, 99% paper pushing and 1% going <laughs> to court. And a lot of times you don't go to court. So... Yeah, it's a bit of a reality check needed, I think. That's right. What led you to use a private investigator and process server? Had to use them ever since I started working as a lawyer. I mean, the process serving um, is essential for any lawyers doing any court work because you need to serve your proceedings. Most of the time, they're going to be personally served rather than just sent by email. Uh, you know, there's other things like subpoenas are going to be served. Some of them are going to be served in person. Um, tracking people down if you you know they can't be located that's often an issue debt recovery you know a lot of people go disappearing you need an investigator to help you locate them so that they can be served um and you know the more investigative side like the surveillance stuff like that we've had you know used uh the services you know in, in some cases where we you know it was critical to get that evidence to court about a person's behavior it might be drug use it might be some sort of corruption who knows it, whatever it was relevant for that court case and if it was actually we could get it uh, you know admissible then you know sometimes those sort of services are used yeah but otherwise it's mainly the process serving side that's every week used so how and speaking as uh, as one of the hard workers here at Down Under Investigations. How has Down Under Investigations helped your overall business? What have you gained? Well, look, I, look, I have to give you guys full credit. You've been fantastic, unbelievable. 
uh, fast, responsive, value for money. Um, you know, I've tried a lot of different process servers and investigators over 29 years. And, um, you know, I'm biased, but I have to say that, yeah, you're, you've had the best service that I've, I've received so far. We appreciate that. And I think we've been working together now for at least six or seven years, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about six or seven years. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think process serving part, yeah, seems fairly straightforward. But and then this is the difference with, um, and I really appreciate your services and how they're carried out and how you train your people, because you know some process servers they they give up very quickly or, or you know they they're not um, not experienced enough. Um, you know, we had cases where you know the defendant is just so difficult to serve and. Um, we end up having to get not only the process server, but an investigator as well. And that's two people, but with your service, you know, the same person could do it to, you know, track down the person that has to be served. And, you know, it's, it's a, I hate using the word stakeout, but sometimes it is a bit of a stakeout, uh, you know, a lot of patients sitting there waiting um, until the person can be served with the papers. So that's, that's good having that two services in the one person with that experience. Um, really appreciate that rather than, oh, we can't locate them and then the process server brings the papers back to us and then we have to find an investigator and there's delays in the court system. So, yeah, that that's certainly a key thing that uh, we found. That's right. And, I mean, we train our staff that when you're out on a job and you find that someone doesn't live there anymore, make inquiries straight away to find the person. Like, don't wait, don't hesitate. Um, let's try and get as much information from the old address first. Sometimes it's just simply asking questions at the old address. Did they leave a forwarding address? Most people will give it to you. So, <laughs> Or if you can find an ex-partner, most ex-partners are happy to give up. Uh, yeah, a lot of neighbours are very open giving answers to questions too. Yeah, Exactly. So it's about going that extra mile and taking that extra step for us uh, to get the result for you. So, um, yeah. And, and so as licensed investigators, when we're out serving, we have every right to ask those questions. And um, we obviously always operate within the bounds of the law, but... Sometimes it's just about being a little bit more assertive than, than just a standard process server. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's also the aspect, like, you know, you can, uh, any person can serve papers. Uh, there are some exep exceptions. For instance, family law, you know, the, 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 the applicant can't always just, you know, the wife or the husband serve the, their spouse. Um, but otherwise, you know, just a regular person can serve papers. But it's actually a, can be quite a dangerous activity um, uh, because you know the other party is going to become aggressive or abusive or you know they uh, are going to cause trouble they won't accept the papers and you know you if you're serving them you need to know what you know what the procedure is if they act in a certain way um, uh, yeah and yeah it can be quite a dangerous activity I, I certainly wouldn't recommend I wouldn't be doing it myself you know, unless I was serving a corporate entity and I just have to show that I've dropped off documents to their office, um, then, you know, any anyone else, I wouldn't be going and doing the job and I certainly wouldn't be asking my staff to do it. I think, you know, you need people that are experienced in, in dealing with potentially dangerous people to, to do the job. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, we're always prepared. We're, we're alert when we're out on the road and, um, and delivering papers. We often do a bit of a background check as well, just on the person we're about to serve. If we think that, wow, this is a big stack of papers. I wonder what's in here. We'll do a bit of a background on the person and find out, okay, they're prone to violence or they're prone to maybe a different type of uh, substance abuse. So then your time when you go and serve them and you, you, we put thought into things like that as well. So if we know, for example, that we're serving someone and they're a chronic alcoholic, probably the best time to get them maybe at 11 in the morning um, when they're not, you know. Yeah, that, that, that's home. right. You've got to know who you're dealing with. Oh, yeah, that's good. Would you recommend lawyers use a private investigator and process server? Why or why not? Oh, look, of course. And, you know, I'm in private practice um, where, you know, we're doing litigation and documents need to get served and people need to be located. So, of course, yeah, of course, it's a necessary service. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of my clients' cases wouldn't have got off the ground if we didn't have a process <laughs> server to locate and serve the other party because the court would say, well... You haven't served them, I can't hear the case. But yeah, you know, the good. it's also good, even if you did get someone, a friend to do the process serving and serve it, you have to explain to them how to do it properly and sign the affidavit of service, prepare the affidavit of service for them to make sure, you know, it all meets the court's requirements. But the process servers know how to do this and they prepare the affidavits and they fill everything out and it's a turnkey operation. So... Yeah, lawyers don't want to be wasting their time, you know, or charging a client for their time to explain to, you know, a neighbour or someone, look, this is what you need to do, this is how you're going to serve the documents. And you're, you could be negligent doing that, really. So, yeah, you know, really I just pass it on to the experts, let them do it. And it's a relatively cheap um, service, value for money, really. Yeah, that's right. And what, what we've seen where we've had new clients come, come to us is maybe they've had someone's serve their friend and it's it just creates animosity between two people and and whereas if it's a third party like a private investigator and a process server out serving we're we're a totally separate entity and we generally because because of the way we approach things we're very we're very polite initially um if if someone does give us attitude you know we try and diffuse situations very quickly but you know we we do approach people with a professional and with a calm manner so that they don't fire up at us because at the end of the day we're simply there to serve papers it's a court requirement uh, we are seen as an officer of the court so we try and do things as simple and as peaceful as possible yeah, and, you know, you wouldn't want to get family members involved, especially family law situations. I mean, they're already hostile and heated up as, as it is. Um, you know, getting other family members or friends involved to do process serving, it, it's just going to make things worse. That's right. That's right. Oh, Maria, it's been so good to talk to you. This has been an excellent podcast, and I think there's so much wisdom and gold that you've dropped. Uh, yeah, nice to chat to you. It's yeah. been a while. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and your law firm? Um, you specialise, obviously, in family law, but there are other areas. If, uh, you know, maybe you can tell us even about the areas that you service, um, you know, as in demographically, um, let us know. Yeah, sure. Well, look, we, you know, we'll look at any inquiry that, you know, falls within our, the areas of law that we do and see if we can help the person. Um, and if it, if it was outside of our area, we have a lot of colleagues in different areas specialise in other areas and we can refer the person on if it's not something we can do. 
Um, but, you know, anything to do with family law, uh, deceased estates, wills, probate, letters of administration, powers of attorney, um, challenging powers of attorney, guardianship uh, um, orders and, and VCAT, that sort of thing. Um, you know, we, we take care of that. And then, you know, there's some other sort of esoteric areas. Um, but yeah, all, all they need to do is go to the website, www.rigolilawyers.com.au. Um, and there's some tools on there. There's a live chat on there. There's, um, there's a couple of tools on there. You can get started to do your own will or, um, you know, get some feedback on your family law matter and things like that, or just book in. Um, it, a lot of people use the live chat because they just want to get their information out there and see if they can be helped. And, you know, that comes to us straight away. So we would call them up and, you know, give them a, and all, all the initial bookings are free of charge. We don't charge for the first booking because it's a get to know you session and see what the legal issue is, whether we can help them or not. Um, and, you know, give them an idea of costs, um, what they, they're likely to expect and see if they're comfortable with that lawyer. And, you know, if it all works out, then we go to the next step. So we don't charge for the first uh, consult. And we've got clients all over Melbourne, all over Victoria, in some cases around Australia or overseas, uh, because you know they have property here or it's a family law matter that, that's relevant to Australia. So this day and age, you don't need to meet them in person. We do everything uh, remotely. At the moment, we're doing absolutely everything remotely. So it's all by either a Zoom, other videos, sort of chat, email, telephone, um, and it's just as effective. It's nice to be able to meet a person, um, you know, face to face, but in these times we can't with the restrictions, um, we're still getting the job done. So, um, you know, there's no obligation, get to know you session, get an idea of the, they'll get legal advice straight up and they usually all get some sort of uh, a plan, a legal plan or strategy, what, what to do. Um, so yeah, that's best way is just go straight to the website but I'm also, I write a lot of blogs. There's a lot of information on the website, um, on the blog tab. And uh, I'm also on LinkedIn if people want to message me, you know, directly. But yeah, the website is pretty much the best way to get to Absolutely. Me. It's a great website too. I have checked it out myself. And, oh, um, thank you. Very, very informative and also very simple to get in contact with you. We'll put a link to that website in our notes for this podcast. And um, just want to finally just say thank you once again for sharing with us uh, all your wisdom and, and knowledge. And, oh, um, thank you. No, it's great to catch up with you and great yeah. to meet you, Ryan, as well. For more information on how we can help, go to downunderinvestigations.com or call 1300 849 007.